Please turn with me to John chapter 21. I'm going to focus on an account that is only recorded in John. And for those of you that are joining us for the first time here at Southside Bible Fellowship, we believe that since the Bible is God's word and that everyone who believes in Jesus is a child of God, can you help me say it? The Bible is God's word for us. Father, we thank you for the power of your word. And we thank you for this day that you have given us. As we listen to your word, we pray that your Holy Spirit may help us understand it and apply it in our lives in ways that can glorify you. We pray for every soul that is represented here this morning that doesn't know you, that, Father, in your own way, you may draw that soul to yourself. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So the fear, the discouragement, the despair, the hopelessness of the crucifixion is replaced by the joy of the resurrection. The disciples saw Jesus when he was arrested. They saw him when he was tortured. They saw him crucified on the cross. It was painful and they were helpless. And then he was buried in a borrowed tomb. They were afraid. They went, they went and hid behind closed doors. They forgot everything that Jesus had told them. And then the third day came and Jesus was alive. And he appeared to them. First, he appeared to the women who had gone to the tomb. Then he appeared to the disciples when Thomas was away. And then he was told, he said, unless I see the scars, I cannot believe. And then Jesus appeared again. And when he saw the scars, he said, my Lord and my God. It was so clear that Jesus was alive. Christians, among all the world religions, Christians are the only ones who celebrate a living Savior. Every other leader you talk of Muhammad, you talk of Buddha, you talk of Confucius. They died and they never resurrected, except Jesus Christ. So the disciples know here that Jesus is alive in our text today. 
If you can read with me, and I will be making some explanations as we go. From verse 1 to verse 14 is the focus of our text. John chapter 1, verse 1 to 14. After Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee, it happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas also known as Didmas, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. The disciples know that Jesus is alive, but they are still unsure of their calling. They are still unsure of their mission. They know what Jesus said, but they are still unsure. And therefore, even though Jesus had told them to wait, here, Peter makes a suggestion. He comes up with a suggestion. He says, I'm going fishing. Remember, Jesus called him when he was a fisherman. And when he called him, Jesus said, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. I'm going to give you a new mission, a new vision, a new purpose. You are going to start fishing men. Here, even though Jesus is alive and they know it, they go back to fishing. Throughout the night, they try their best. This are they are experienced in fishing, but this night they try. Even though they know where to fish, they know how to fish, they don't catch any fish. And you know, we have a tendency of going back to our old habits when we are unsure of what to do. As Christians, when we are unsure of what God wants us to do, it's so easy to go back where we came from. It's happening to the disciples here. And so they try, they don't catch anything. But while this is happening, Jesus is watching. Jesus is watching. I think the first lesson here is that we celebrate the resurrection because of our mistakes, because of our failings, because we have failed. The Bible says in Romans 3:23 that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All have failed. 
the resurrection of Jesus Christ makes sense to us when we realize that we have failed. When we realize that we have sinned, because that's why Jesus died. He didn't have to die. But he died because of you and me. He died not because we are good people, even though most New Englanders think they are good. He died because we are bad people. Romans chapter 5, verse 7 and 8 makes it clear. It says, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. If you are here and you have not yet believed in Jesus as your Savior, you have not turned to him, you've not repented, you've not submitted to him, you've not acknowledged him as your Savior, this can be your day. He loves you. He died so that you can be saved. By dying on the cross, God was demonstrating his love for you. He was saying, this is how much I love you. And you can turn to him today, and he will forgive you, and you will become his son, his daughter, and he will give you a new vision, a new mission. You will start seeing your own life differently. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ will make more sense to you. You will celebrate it because you realize it was because of your failure that he died. We celebrate the resurrection because of our failure. Look at verse 4 to verse 6. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. And he said, throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. And when they did, they were unable to hold the net in because of the large number of fish. So while the disciples are struggling, fishing, and not catching anything, Jesus is observing them, and he appears to them. And you know, Jesus could have said, come on, man. Is this, is this how you reward me? I mean, I just died for you guys, and you're going back to fishing? Come on, you, you could have done much better. Why are you so disappointing? 
Did you just see what I went through? And all you can do is go back to fishing? Man, you are so disappointing. Maybe you could have even said, I'm done with you. I mean, how long can I bear with you? I'm, this is just done. You, you will never make it. But he is so endearing to them. Friends, have you any fish? And then he guides them to catch fish. He guides them to where they needed to cast their net. And when they do, they catch a huge amount of fish. The exact number is 153. Here is the point. In our failure, Jesus intervenes to show us God's power and God's love. Yes, we have failed, and in our failure, Jesus comes out. He intervenes to show God's power and God's love. Here, he meets the need of the disciples, even though it's not necessary for their mission. He is concerned about the small things in the disciples' lives. He intervenes to show God's power and God's love for us. And then look at verse 12. He said to them, come and have breakfast. Come and have breakfast. This is Jesus reaching out to his people. See, it's so, it's so amazing that Jesus looks at us in our failings and he still intervenes all, all the time. All the time. He intervenes in my life. He intervenes in your life. He intervenes in every person's life because he cares. When we were coming to church, my wife and, and our children, there's one Catholic church that we pass by every Sunday, and usually on Sundays there are only like four or five cars parked. And today the parking was full. And you know, even those people that only remember God on Easter and Christmas, Jesus still intervenes in their lives to show God's power and God's love. Every intervention is a revelation of his power and his love. He is showing that I still love you, that I still care for you, I can still save you. I'm still willing to forgive you. He looks at each one of us in our failings, 
and he still intervenes. I think John's confession here says it all. If you look at verse 7 and 8, when the disciples catch this huge amount of fish, the disciple, we are told, whom Jesus loved, referring to John, said to Peter, it is the Lord. It is the Lord. When he saw what happened, something in him connected with the power of God. It connected with Jesus Christ. He remembered something and he said, it is the Lord. This cannot just happen. And you know, as a believer, all these moments will happen in your life where the Lord does something in your life and you look at it and you just confess it is the Lord. And some of us who don't even believe, God will still allow us to see something that he has done and then we will either believe or still reject him. He gives us opportunity to realize and to notice his presence and his power and his love. I had a conversation with a, a man that I met, and we were talking, and he was ridiculing me for my faith. And in our conversation, I asked him, are you, are you married? He said, oh, yeah, I have a beautiful wife. I said, hmm, good. Do you have children? And he said, oh, no, we... We have not yet been blessed. How long have you been married? Oh, I've been married for 15 years. He was, he never believed that there is God. So when I asked him whether they have children and said we've not been blessed, my question was, blessed by who? And he looked at me, and he said, I know what you're trying to do. <laughs> do you know that each one of us, each one of us believes something about God? Even those who claim there is no God, they believe something about God. And God in his own way, in many ways, he will allow you to experience something about him. And it will be up to you to believe him or not. And he continues to do that in our lives. And maybe you will confess like John and say, it is the Lord. And then respond like Peter. When Peter hears that it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, 
and jumped into the water. And he ran to Christ. When he realized it was the Lord, he wanted to go back to him. He realized that he had gone back to his old habit. He realized that he has gone back to what Jesus called him from. And he ran to Christ. And some of us here need to realize the same thing. If Jesus intervenes in our lives to show God's power and God's love, then failure can help us realize our need for God. It can help us realize that we are weak, that we need help, that we need the Lord. I see this with uh, people who have a habit of driving under the influence. The first time you do it, you don't get caught, you make it, you do it again, and then you're caught. Or you cause an accident, someone dies, or someone is injured, or you are injured. And then you realize... I need help. I need help. And whether you're a Christian or not, failing when you fail, it is a reminder that you and I are not perfect. It is a reminder that we need the Lord. That's why in this gathering, the gathering that meets here, this church that meets in this building, we don't claim to be perfect. Uh, for those of you that are visiting, please, if you expected to find perfect people, you will be disappointed. We are not perfect, but we have found the one who is perfect, and we are trying our best to obey him. If Jesus intervenes in our lives to show God's power and God's love, then it means that he wants us to rely on him for everything and in everything. And I think this is the lesson the disciples are learning here. That even when they go back to their own habits, they cannot make it without Christ. And he had told them in John 15, verse 5, that without me, you can do nothing. He intervenes in every area of our lives. That's why as Christians, at your work, you should be the best. Because you are a Christian. Because you have the wisdom, the power, the confidence, and the presence of the Lord. Christians are people of good testimony because they represent the Lord. When you get an opportunity to work, you do it the best way, no matter how small that work is. As a student, you should be the best. 
Because you are a Christian, you are representing Christ where you are. And you are not just representing any Christ, you are representing the risen Christ. But this also tells us something. If the Lord intervenes to show his power and his love, then it also means that he is aware of the reality of our lives. He was aware when the disciples were struggling, trying to fish. He is aware of everything in your life. Everything. Every thought, every word, every action. Can you imagine? You know, in, in Kenya, where you come from, in some villages, and especially when you, let me give you a personal story. I had gone to a funeral. And because of the many people that come to funeral, they make these temporary bathrooms where they just use reeds and palm leaves just to cover it. It's open and you go and do your business there. So I was taking a bath and I, when I was growing up, it was okay. You know, I could even take a bath in the open, you know, just behind the house. But after coming here and, you know, getting used to life here, it was so uncomfortable just taking a bath with an open bathroom, you know. Yeah. And because these are just palm leaves, I could see outside, you know. And I see people moving and moving, and you know, my mind is telling me, they're probably seeing me too. <laughs> and this is where you, when you're applying soap, you don't want to apply it to your face. And, and uh, they can see my head and my shoulders at least. And it's, it's just uncomfortable knowing that someone is, is watching you. And Americans in general don't like being watched. Right? Uh, that's not the First Amendment, right? Is it? <laughs> We, we, we like our freedom and we want to do things in our, in our own way without anyone watching us. Without anyone stalking us. We like that. Well, here is the news, guys. God is watching. We can hide from everyone else, but we cannot hide from the Lord. He is aware of the reality of our lives. And he is aware of everything that is happening to you. And some of us are going through difficulties some of us are going through pain, and sometimes you are tempted to think that God is not aware. 
He is aware. He's aware of your pain. He's aware of your emotions. He's aware of everything that you go through. Some of us in our relationships, it's, it's a struggle after another. Some of us, we, we are worried about life, about our children, about work, and so many things. Our spouses, there's so much that is happening that concerns us. I want you to know that God is aware of everything that is happening in your life, and he allows Christ to intervene to show his power and his love for you. And even though at times you may feel like he doesn't care, even though at times you may feel like he has left you alone, even though at times he may, you may feel like he is far away, he is right there with you. And if you are a believer, this is the comfort that we have. We know that he is walking with us. We know that in every pain and in every sorrow, he is with us. There is no thought in my mind. There is no pain in my life that he is not aware of. And this is, this is the comfort that we have, and it's the encouragement that we share with one another. This is why it's important for us as a family to always be together. If he intervenes to show his power and his love for us, then there is hope for those who are yet to believe in him. There is hope. You know, the disciples... It is after Jesus had ascended, after they received the Holy Spirit who empowered them to do what Christ had commanded them to do, that they realized, hey guys, this is not about fishing, this is about reaching out to the lost. This is about making Jesus known. It's about sharing our faith. It's about proclaiming his word. It's about sharing what he has done in our lives. It's about giving people an opportunity to respond to Jesus Christ. And that's the mission that we have too. That's why today as we celebrate his resurrection, we also remind ourselves that there is work ahead of us. We remind ourselves that the reason you and I are still here is because of what Jesus wants us to do. The reason you and I are still here is because there are so many people who are yet to know him, and Jesus is counting on us. One good thing about the disciples when they fish and they don't catch anything, is that they admit it. They admit it. When Jesus asks them whether they have any fish, they say, no. I hear that fishermen usually, they, when they catch fish, they like talking about it. Some of them will take a picture 
Post it on Facebook. Look at this. Take a video. Post it. They show off. But when they fail to catch any fish, they don't even want you to ask them. They want to hide it. And that's what we do. We want to hide our failings. We don't want to come to Christ and admit that we have failed. Even as Christians, we hide our failings. Even as a church, we have failed to be the church that Christ wants us to be. And our revival begins by admitting it. By admitting that we have not yet focused, paid attention, committed to the Great Commission as Christ wants us to. And we have to begin there. And for those of us who are not Christians, who are not saved, we have to admit that we are sinners and we need help from Christ. Let me finish by saying that when we admit our failings, we will find our peace, our hope, and our strength in Jesus Christ. In this journey, we are in the same boat like the disciples. And we may face different kinds of challenges. The water may be cold and stormy. But the Lord still expects us to focus on him and to focus on his mission. If you are a Christian, just ask yourself, how many people need to hear, need to know Christ from you? Does your heart burn for those who are lost? And if you're not a Christian, if you haven't yet believed in Jesus, ask yourself, how long do you want to remain without Christ? Is that the life that you want to have? Is that the best you can do? Father, I thank you for your love for us and for your power. I thank you for this day that you have given us to celebrate the resurrection. I thank you for your people who are here, the ones that are here presently and the ones that are joining us online. Together we look unto you as our Lord and our Savior. And Father, we acknowledge your presence, we acknowledge your holiness. And Lord, we acknowledge our sinfulness before you because the only reason we have hope today is because of you. The only reason we can claim that we are forgiven is because you died on the cross. The only reason that we can enjoy 
your peace is because you gave your life. But Father, there are some among us who are yet to know you. And Lord, I pray for them. I pray that your Holy Spirit may convict them of their sin. I pray that your word may be made alive in their hearts. I pray that you may draw them closer to yourself. You know them, Lord. We continue to pray for them. And you know everything in their lives. And there are those of us here, Lord, who have questions, who are looking unto you for answers. Some of them believe in you, but they are still wondering on what's happening in their lives. Father, I pray that you may intervene in your own way, just as you intervened in the disciples' lives, Lord. Help your people to experience your power and enjoy your continual love for them. Be glorified in our lives. Be glorified in each one of us life. And may you accomplish your will in Jesus' name. Amen.